Internet, listen to me. Peace and blessings to you and your families. I hope everybody has been staying safe. We've been putting out premium peach shows, and a lot of them I had in the can. I'm so excited to announce that this episode, and we got a bunch more, is brand new. And we sit down with my brother, okay? Sneaker fiend, activist, organizer, artist, just a, 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 just a great dude, my brother Killer Mike, okay? Underscores location in ATL. We're going to get to it in a second, but just right before that, I just want to send blessings and, you know, everything the world has been going through and it's upside down. And sometimes we feel discouraged and depressed and happy and then sometimes sad and you're not alone. And uh, I just want to let you know that, you know, you're not alone. If anything you're going through, you need some advice or help or a friend or an ear, you know, feel free to DM me or hit me up on Instagram or Twitter at Premium Pete at Premium Pete Show, or email me, thepremiumpetshow at gmail.com, okay? Now, I want to let people know, we got a new episode on deck, super dope, we're going to get to in a second. For now, open up your Twitter app, open up your Instagram app, at Premium Pete, at Premium Pete Show, and check the fuck in. Let me know where you're from, let me know where you listen, what you're listening to, what episode you're messing with, let me know what you're eating. Let me know what's going on, okay? And, you know, I also love to see that a lot of people are being more active with health as well. You know, during this whole COVID-19, people jogging, people, um, you know, doing a lot of different things. And it's exciting to see that. I'm very, very, you know, pr- I- I've been trying to get a little bit more walk, you know, a couple miles a day. So, you know, continue to understand that, you know, your health is wealth. And I always say this, you know, I love to eat and I eat sometimes crazy. but you know. Pay attention to being healthy because you want to stay around, right? You want to you want to be around, especially for those with kids. But anyway, internet. Let me tell you, okay. Make sure you subscribe to us. We're on YouTube. We've been putting a bunch of clips on there. Check the Premium Pete Show on YouTube. Subscribe, rate, comment, tell a friend to tell a friend. Okay. I want you to share it. Go to iTunes. Rate, leave, comment. You know, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever. Listen, wherever you listen to two podcasts, we're at and we're on. So listen, this week uh, we sit down with my brother, Killer Mike, okay? And the plan is always to plot, plan, strategize, organize, and mobilize. I mean, Killer Mike, unfiltered. We speak about defunding the police and what does that actually mean? And it can it happen? Will it happen? Reparations, the world we're in, fatherhood, and how important it is to love your kids and show your kids love, but be disciplinary. Um, his career, his life, and more importantly, his thoughts on the world that we live in today, this kind of like craziness that is called 2020, okay? It seems to be getting more crazy and more crazier by the day. But internets, I don't want to take no more time. I just want to say this, okay? Stay safe. I'm so excited. We have a new episode on deck and we got a bunch of new ones. Wait till, wait till you see what we got, okay? Internets, I present to you the return of my brother, Killer Mike, on this week's episode of the Premium Pete Show. Cheer, let's get to it. Yo, what's up, y'all? This is Fat Man Scoop, the other smooth voice of the club, the two-time Grammy Award winner. Let me make this official for you. Fat Man Scoop, Cork McClan, Internets. It's time to go with my dude, Premium Pete. Let's get focused. Let's go, Internets. Let's turn up one time, Premium Pete. Come on, everybody get set. Let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up. It's the Premium Pete Show. If you want the scoop in the lowdown, 
down low Listen to the show cause Milk said so Fuck what you heard, better act like you know It's the Premium Pete Show Internets, welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show Undisclosed Location in ATL yeah. with my dear friend, a good fella. Too many, too many uh, names. I mean, I guess we could say uh, <laughs> actor. I guess we could say, well, first of all, return guest. That's first of all. I am. Uh, uh, multiple return guests. Friend, uh, actor, artist, activist, and just an overall good fella, my friend. Killer Mike. Pete, what up, man? How you doing? Man, it's, Always happy to be Always, here. always, always. Because and and Sneaker Fiend. What's, what, what, I am. I got all my favorite sixes today. So I mean, listen, getting fresh is not just something that happens, uh, you know, one place or one city. Nah. It's all over the world. Nah, you're supposed to get fresh on your bum days. When mm. you got on cargoes to kill your master joints, still have on your joints. Like, you getting fresh. Even, like, I got certain polos that I've just worn at the same time just to, like, point they faded. And I just wear the whole faded mm. outfit together. The jury still be sparkly though. I always tell people too, Atlanta um has a lot of dudes, you know, it's funny when you think about the legendary Walters. Yeah. And then Isaiah, what would you say before you mentioned about Oh that? man, rest in peace of Grady too. Yeah, he yeah. just he worked the walk fifty years, he just passed. So rest in peace. You used to be able to go to Walters. I remember when Street brought me there. Shouts to DJ Greg Street. You used to be able to go to Walters and be able to get old sneakers, like yeah. older stuff, like, you know, back in the day stuff, stuff that they really Dead didn't stuff. know. Yeah, yeah, that they didn't know they were sitting on that was good stuff. Yeah. But ATL always had, like, a big market for sneakers and getting fresh. Yes. Polo you know, and Walt, like, you know how the low lives were in New York. Yep. Like, um, Polo is just a way of life down here because golf, of course, is big and, and you know, if if the if the whether it was East Lake Golf Club or the Masters all the way out in Augusta and stuff, like my cousins worked as um worked as caddies and stuff, so they would get gifted like the the pink the salmon polo collar shirt. My cousin was one of the first people I saw because he was mm. rocking the polo style yeah, yeah, yeah. polo shirts. My cousin came in, I remember just like what the fuck he pick that's crazy. And the next thing you know, I had to go, I had to convince my mom. The, and, and it was crazy because he had the one, it was a salmon color, but it was like the the, the, the chocolate horse. And yeah, it, was, yeah. it wasn't just yeah. a white horse on it. So it was crazy. But the rugby game, so polos and Nikes. Feelers, of course, is always big in Atlanta. But yep. for me, like Air Maxes and polos always been it for me. Mm. Being be, being fresh, it's like, a, you know, it's a way of life, you know. Yeah. When we think about, you know, you know, it's crazy too. You have morphed into also a tremendous... Um, I mean, I could say motivational speaker. I, no, I'm that serious. I'm, I'm saying, as a friend, I'm saying this. I'm an encourager. Encour think, okay, encour yeah, encourager. Well, we have enough critics in the world. Let's yeah. let's get more encouragers. I'm an encourager. Yeah. But do you do you and and, and let me actually back this up. When uh, Mike Brown, um, when that went down, yeah. Okay, you were at a, a Run the Jewels. Shouts to LP. Shouts out to L. Um. And you made a speech, remember that, about the yeah, machine? Yeah, we in Ferguson, yeah. Yep, yeah, in Ferguson. Yeah. Well, we were in St. Louis, but it happened. of course, the, the incident was in Ferguson. We weren't far. I didn't even want to speak. I was on the bus crying when it came down at the, um, what's the name? I got, it hit me hard because I'm just like, yo, this is it. And my wife and um, L convinced me to go out. Cheyenne L had a talk with me. And um, I went out <clears throat> and said something on stage and resonated with people and helped bring people together. You know what I mean? So, But for me, that's just what, that's what you do as a man when you have an opportunity to help, you help. And if you can't help, you just simply mm -hmm. say, I can't help, but I'll help whoever's helping, you know. You know, I heard someone say before, when you have when you have the mic or when you're, and I, and I don't mean only literally the mic, but meaning like when you're moving and grooving and, and, and in the spotlight, it, you know, say something. 
I always heard that a lot. Like, but yeah, you know, like when you have, like, figuratively speaking, when you have the mic, you say something, right? Yeah. Because you may not have the mic, or people may not want to hear what you Absolutely, have to say all the time, yeah. all the time right? Yeah. But even like the speech you made recently in Atlanta, yeah, like, like I've ago. seen, I've seen. Besides knowing you, I know that's who you are, and it's it's so blessing to to, to, to have a friend like that. That friends inspire you. Absolutely. But. Do you get like honestly? Do you get like goosebumps from that, or when when you go there, like when you go in this? Because I get, I mean, I get nervous before every show, every yeah. show before I rap. You know, it's a, you know, I, um, I like muscle cars. I like driving yep. fast. Like if I ain't going 160, 170 miles an hour, I ain't really <laughs> having no fun. So that that feeling of anxiousness and anxiety and fear, you know, it propels you. So, like the the, the speeches, quote unquote, I've done. Um, have been the moment called me to that duty. Not that I necessarily plan to prep. I have been prepped for this. You know, when I look in retrospect to my life, to the mm-hmm. way my grandparents raised me and the time and energy people from my community and like teachers and, and my mentors and friends put into me, I, I didn't realize that I've been prepped for these moments my whole life. You know what I'm saying? But I don't prepare for them. So yeah, I'm scared of, sh- scared of shit, to be frank. Because <laughs> you don't want to say fucked up shit to get people <laughs> fucked up or hurt. You want to be honest and, and maintain integrity, but that don't always mean you're ready to speak. You know, The lines that came out of it were... Plot, plan, strategize, organize, and mobilize. I mean, those words are powerful. But you know what's also important? That when you're talking out of your heart, which you're full of heart, and that you don't go left. You yeah. know what I mean? Like saying, like going crazy and threatening people. And like, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't know how to uh, 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 talk with passion without, um, yeah. you know, getting angry well, or, or violent. Yeah. I mean, I've been through every phase of it, though. Like I've been an organizer, you know, since I was 15 years yep, old, yep. my personal choice. But I've been around organizing probably since I was five. You know, I'm from my grandmother had me at, you know, so. Carter and Reagan is what, 79, 80? Yeah. The elections are 79, 80. So my first memories of organizing are next to my grandmother, you know, mm. trying to get Carter reelected, which it didn't end up happening, but I'm next to her in the voting booth. I'm next to her getting people, taking them out, you know. So by the time Andrew Young runs for mayor and uh, Maynard and, and all this stuff is all this is all this is just a part of my life. So by the time I get 14, 15 years old. I just find organizations that are compatible with my goals and motives are. And that's everything from Black Teams for Advancement, which was formed out of public schools. It was young black men who self-organized to end violence because it was beef between schools to get to the point where killing each other. So, you know, people like former city councilman Kwanzaa Hall were older than us. Him and his dudes, they got together like y'all, but young dudes can't, y'all can't bring this kind of violence in. So within a couple of years, I was a national spokesman of that organization, Kids for Change, which was an organization that taught kids to organize. Um, I spent some time at Moss Number 15 with the NOI, learned from the FOI how to organize and discipline myself. So, you know, the Michael that was radicalized at 15, 16 years old was passionate and, and would have because I've always grown up in the presence of um, guns, in the presence of, you know, fish and farm and stuff like that. Yep. So I was capable of handling myself. But I've, I've I, my grandparents taught me logic. You know what I'm saying? My grandfather and grandmother. And because I was in Atlanta, everybody was black, too. My heroes and villains were all black. Yep. So I name really, some of your heroes. Yeah. Huh? Name some. Name of some heroes. of my heroes. My personal heroes are my grandparents. Yep. You know, um, in terms of the men that were in my life, my grandfathers, my uncles, and stuff. But in terms of people that I did not know that were heroes to me, that's a vast people from um, Marcus Garvey, Elijah Muhammad, 
Malcolm X. Um, it was people like Zora Neale Hurston. Um, of course, Ayanna Van Zandt. Um, um, it was, oh yeah, Fannie Lou Hamer, mm. Shirley Chisholm. You know, it was, um, it was just dynamic people that were on the streets here. Reverend James Orange, Alice Johnson, Walter Cleveland. Um, it was just an amazing amount of people that I knew and people that I didn't know I read. Some of my biggest heroes are James Baldwin, who mm. to this day, you know, Arturio Schomburg, um, Eugene Debs, Lucy Parsons are all. You know, so for me, just the people who were from the mud who dared to defy yeah, sure. oligarchy. I, I found a, a pattern in myself. I was, I was, uh, you know, I like the X-Men, but I found myself cheering for Magneto a lot. Yeah. So the people that I've tended to see as heroes, including but not limited to people like Matulu and Asada Shakur, you know, Leonard Pelter, you know, if, if it wasn't for those anti-establishment people, Fred Hampton, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, George Jackson, I don't think I would have had grown into the, the person I am. But, but I, I also got heroes that don't fit that mold. Like, you know, Walter E. Williams is a hero of mine, very conservative man, you know what I'm saying? Black man, an economist, but he reminds me a lot of the men in my family in terms of how they view the world and how you're supposed to take care of yourself. So a lot of different heroes for different reasons. You know, it's funny because you grew up in Atlanta, um, you know, young kid, organizing, hustling, yeah. get, staying <laughs> fresh. At the same mom's, time. mom's a G. Yeah, she is. Um, Pops was a... Uh, my father, for, yeah, my father in my elementary years was a um, police officer and my... Uh, my mother, uh, they weren't together because she was 19. She was 16 when I was born. And um, my mother went on to become a, a, a queen pin. I woke up yeah, yeah. like two weeks before my 15th birthday. My mother was picked up for attempting about 10 kilos of cocaine in Griffin, Georgia. And then she told me it was really 20. Cops stole half the money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but that's <laughs> nah, some but shit, shit She laughed and she talked about it. She, You know, they were attempting to search her. She, she said, she told them. And, you know, back then, everybody was afraid. She yeah, said, yeah, I got AIDS, yeah. I'll fucking bite you. And the cops didn't search her. Her old man ended up taking the sentence for it, which shots out to, to Ralph, man. He let my mom, you know, come home. He didn't do no sucking shit. Like, try to put it on her center with women's prison. He ate the whole charge. Mm. He told the cops I beat her. She had to do what she, thought, what mm. she was told to do. And that brought my mom home. Mm. That was the first That's time I realized. That's a stand-up dude. Yeah. That was the first time, too, I realized my grandmother was more than just a Christian. Because we went to the root lady house and shit. <laughs> my grandmother, I still remember seeing a chicken with his head cut off right across the yard and shit. Me and my sister, I was like, my grandmother, definitely. I don't care how much she loved Jesus. When they got back to it, she went right back to where Africans did. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right back, right back to the root lady. But my mom came home. You know, it's funny because you live so many different lives and you have yeah. so much experience. And then you think about Pops and being, a, you know, an ATL. And, and here's something for people even listening, even for myself to learn. When we hear the words defund the police, right? Yeah. I honestly don't think a lot of people know what the fuck that means. No, they don't. that's a hell of a word. It's a strong statement. Yeah. I, I don't think that's a possibility in, in American culture. I, I think that what is attempting to be said is um, demilitarize the police. Um, to 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 not have all the funding going to things that make the police feel like an occupying force. Because when you're saying defund the police, the police in Atlanta um, should be making more money. Like I, there's a brother who went to Morehouse who ended up policing, I think, in Brookhaven. And I was like, well, why do you stay in Atlanta on the force? He was just like, yo, we're not, we're not getting paid. We're not getting paid mm -hmm. out here. But I wish I could. So, you know, I'd like for Atlanta police to be better trained, um, I'd like for them to be better paid. I'd like for them to have um, no interest loans to buy houses in the city because I believe that our community is better when we 
policed by people who from the community, from communities like ours, or understand or empathetic to those communities. And so if I have Atlanta police and living in Snellville, or Douglasville, or Dawsonville coming in every day, he's just like an occupier. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's there his he eight, yeah. 10, 12 hours, and then he's back off. So he has no general interest in seeing the community rise. Or the threat for that is there, you know, versus my cousin who's a police in Atlanta. He grew up in Atlanta. He went to Atlanta public schools. He he has an interest in seeing the streets stay safe, but not in a way that harms the relationship of the public and the police. So I think that there is possible to have a system of policing in my city. And I think locally when I talk about this stuff, because I don't know what other municipalities are like. I know New York police seem to be a lot more aggressive to people who, yep. are, who are darker or olive tone. <laughs> That in L.A. certainly can be scary, yep. too, in Miami. So I think that in cities like Atlanta, you know, Birmingham, Tampa, St. Pete, Jacksonville, Southern cities, Daytona, I think that there can be a different, more progressive style of police. And yeah. I think that's inclusive if if you have the police be a part of the community. Yeah. So, But I don't think that we'll ever see police departments defunded. I just think that the federal dollars and state dollars that are coming to the police can be better allocated be better allocated. because I don't think— when you think defund the police, the first thing they're going to do is attack PAL. So yeah, 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 let, yeah. Police, I let yeah, police, I let yeah. goals. That means kids who would be on the streets boxing. I used to play basketball. Exactly. And, and, it, and Atlanta got a great boxing program with PAL. So it's like if we lose PAL in Atlanta, you lose a great boxing program. You lose the opportunity for, say, Matt Ryan wants to have a football program or a basketball program. And, and partnering with the police athletically, we don't have that when we don't have the opportunity. So I just say when, we, when we're saying defund – Think about what defund looks like to you so that you're not just repeating something you hear. So yeah. because locally, defund might mean something in, in Tuskegee that's radically different from what it means in Atlanta. And I think we need to start thinking like that locally. What are the nuances? You know, you know when, when we think about the time we're in, obviously, uh, COVID-19 comes, shuts down the world. Yeah. Um, makes us realize now, actually, before I even go to that, I'm going to ask you because I, this is something now that like I really think of. COVID-19, it comes, it makes us sit down. Yeah. When you look back at it, what would you say that like that you learned from this? Because for me, I'm going to say that I learned, like, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I started cleaning my garbage cans. I didn't realize, I never cleaned my garbage cans. <laughs> but what I'm saying is I had the time. I started hosing them down. Yeah, yeah. I've always was on the run. I get to that later. Yeah, yeah. Now I had the time and I realized you know, how much I'm on the move. And you're on the move. You know yeah, what I mean? You're I, an artist. You're more than that. You, yeah. you, you're always on the move. Yeah. And we, for one moment, for a while, we were sitting down totally. Yeah. And I'm still, I, I, I'm, I've opted. Yeah, to, I'm yeah, chilling. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't mean like nothing's wrong. Or, you know, like I'm, I'm probably like, yeah, it's millions of dollars that we're not making this year. Yeah. You know, and I was looking forward to making those millions. I had plans. When and do you plan on going on tour again? I'll, I mean, I'll be back on tour next year. Okay. You know, God willing. But my thing is, I've missed so much. Like I got my oldest son with me today, yep. Malik. He's 26 years old. But Shout out to Malik. The, yeah, exactly. The first half of his life, I was chasing it, trying to get it. And then I got it. And then once you get it, you got to get keep getting it to, mm. to keep it. So for the last eight years, I've been on the road. You know, this is the first. I This is the first. This three months has been the longest time I've spent in my house in eight years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so it's like, I, it's strange. But what I found is that all the things that my grandparents taught me I, that are still there and I've used them. I clean out my own trash now. I've been washing my own cars. I, I, I remember my grandmother's recipe for cornbread. Shouts out to the Hillbilly Kitchen. I couldn't remember how in the fuck to make my grandmother's cornbread and found this white lady in Alabama who has this thing on YouTube called the Hillbilly Kitchen. 
and follow her recipe. And it was exactly my grandmother's recipe minus a couple things, plus a couple things. And I tweaked it. So I did stuff like that. I've been doing the stuff. My grandfather, you know, did fish, probably going to do some hunting. And so, you know, so for me, it, I got a chance to be who I am as Michael Render, not you know, Absolutely. not just Killer Mike. Like I, I got to return to who I am. My kids are at the house just popping up, kicking it. You know, my older kids, not not the younger ones, the older ones get to just kind of come by now. You know, so that's that's just been good. You know, for me, I, I've really gotten to be a husband and a father, and just like a a, a regular guy. And sure. uh, you know, I, I I definitely want to get back on the road. I definitely want to get back to making millions of dollars. But I can honestly say that probably going forward in my life. I'm going to block out like three months a year just for me and my family. Clear your mind, man. Yeah. You know, even me, like I took a ride. You know, I said I maybe I'll do a couple of episodes and I hit you up, but I I wanted I took the ride because I wanted to clear my mind. Yeah. I've been stuck in the house and things haven't been the same. It's not only me, meaning a lot of people are affected. Um, the world is affected. But I will say this, and I really want your opinion for people who are listening because you have really uh, um, have been somebody that has been fighting with not only knowledge, but for the betterment of people, yeah. the quality, the, the, the home ownership. The, 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 listen, are we in a revolutionary time right now? Because meaning businesses feel Washington Redskins. Now they're talking about, they're going to change the name. Yeah. Hit me out one second. Uh, uh, companies are some of bullshit. Yeah. Just write, <laughs> oh, oh, we hear you. But, <laughs> but what I'm saying is people, I want your opinion. Are we in a time where there may be a shift to maybe we can't take away racism from redneck people that like say, and I don't mean only redneck, but meaning like people who are born that way. Yeah. Or taught that way. Yeah. But I just feel like where this is a revolutionary time, like where it could be possible that these, what's going on now, changes could be really made. Am, no. am, am, I, am, I, am I? It's always that time. Yeah, but when, when the people been... decide, and it seems that the people are deciding, like the racism of rednecks is not the racism that keeps us from progressing. Because rednecks are poor white people yeah. that have been indoctrinated with racism to feel good as though they're superior over other people, but yet they stay at just as low a level. So at the time that Dr. King was organizing on the behalf of workers to unionize in places like Mississippi, um, the, the most poor white worker in the nation was the Mississippian. Yet they were fighting against unionizing with black people because they didn't want to unionize with niggers. But the fact you didn't want to unionize with niggers mean that nobody got what they deserved. Skip Bayless said at the beginning of the Colin Kaepernick kneeling controversy that probably the biggest mistake that some white players were making was not standing in solidarity with him because had they done that, it would have finally broken the stronghold that the NFL had in negotiating sure. because it would have shown all the players in solidarity. And Skip, I thought, was a brilliant analysis of that because Skip is perceived as pretty conservative, but he understood the power of solidarity and leverage. So anytime the people want to change the system, they can. If people want to change the system, they didn't even have to be told to stay inside. All they had to do was not show up for work for a week and watch the whole system start to break. But it seems like to now that the people are ready to. And I don't know how much change comes out of that, whether it's incremental or whether it's sweeping and broad. But I know the possibility of change is there in a way that I've never seen it in my lifetime. And if you is this something that stuck out, not to cut you up, but is this something that stuck out to you? That has been done so far these past like couple of months. Yeah, that fucking you Amish. What are you yeah, talking yeah, about? The yeah. Amish showed up yeah, to protest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when you you never seen such a tapestry of protesters. Shit, yeah. Even if you look back in the sixties, 
you're looking at protesters with predominantly black with white yep. people sprinkled through the front lines and stuff that was sympathizers. If you look at the labor movement in early in the um, 20th century with Eugene Debs, Lucy Parsons, and anarchists, honestly, that were just saying that you value self over nation and, and treat men fairly. Those movements were still predominantly white working class in a way that the black working class was still separate and not considered the whole, even though the leaders weren't necessarily. Eugene Debs wasn't a racist, but when he was talking, it was still primarily white men. Now you have the opportunity where you look in the streets, it's everybody mobbing at the same time. And if you look globally, it's everybody. There were protests in France, yep. South Korea, yep. you know what I'm saying? Parts of Africa, people yep. coming out of the streets. So for me, it's like, oh, shit. Like, it really is everybody ready at one time. So the possibility for change is there. But it's only there if after the peaceful protests, after the burning, looting, and shooting either, even, you have to plot, plan, strategize, organize, mobilize to capitalize on the moment. If you don't plot, plan, strategize, organize, and mobilize, you will not be able to capitalize on this moment in as big a way as you can. Tearing down um, symbolisms of a loser country that tried to secede from the nation is one thing, but getting systemic racism ev eviscerated from law books is another thing, but it's possible. So as we're tearing down statues of Robert E. Lee or, you know, or Davis or, 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 or um, Davis or um, what's the other one? Bank. I think it was one name. Bank Columbus. Yeah. While we're doing that, what we have to remember to do is to tear down the 13th Amendment so that it abolished the slavery. Mm -hmm. See, because slavery is abolished except for the prisoner. You have been a slave. Mm -hmm. When you belong to the state, you were a product of a, you were you were your property of the state and you were used in any way the state wanted to use you. That's slavery. And if we don't take that language out, there will always be an incentive to lock people up who look like me and lock up the poor, no matter what they look like. So I would just say in our organizing, let's make sure that we support things like the restoration of felons rights, um, full restoration of their rights. Let's make sure we're supporting the further abolishment of, um, of, of, of drug laws. Let's make sure that we create programs that are restorative in prison, meaning like in DeKalb County now, um, in their county jail, I think they can put you on your pathway mm -hmm. to getting your GED and yep, yep. trades. I'd like to salute, um, their, their CEO, Michael Thurman out there, is doing a job, doing a great job. Their jail is not filled to capacity. I, I think that their goal is to make sure it never is again. So I have to applaud stuff like that. But I think that the public now has an opportunity to put even more pressure on municipalities and get greater growth and progression out of this moment. Yeah, and that's good. You know, when they think about, uh, I don't know if you saw that thing floating around where they were talking about reparations. About $350,000. Did you see that yeah, be, thing? It, it should honestly be about a half a million per. If it's $15 trillion, yeah. it should be about a half a million per. My per. question to you, is that possible to ever happen? I mean, not that you know the fucking future, what, is it but possible your opinion. If I know that Bernie Sanders um, at first was, was, okay, at first was not pro-reparations in the way that it was being asked for. And the way I say it was being asked for is in H.R. 40, um, which is a, a bill that first proposed by the late John Connors who, who left last year. He wanted to have a study of reparations done to see what we're even owed. There's also a study out of the Baptist church called the Angela project, um, which deals with the sent from, from the time the first slave first enslaved African was brought here to now how the church was culpable in it and what is owed back. So is a half million dollars per um, black person who's a descendant of a slave possible in, in this country, absolutely anything is possible because capitalism has made anything possible. Is it possible with the oligarchs that that 
like Mitch McConnell who currently run this country? In my personal opinion, absolutely not. Does that mean we should stop organizing for it? No, it does not mean we should stop organizing for it. In fact, I believe we should push harder. I just don't trust the oligarchs that run it. But it doesn't mean that I won't fight for it. It doesn't mean that I won't side with it. But when I say absolutely not, I have to tell myself that so that I never stop pushing for individual sure. rights and freedoms. So, you know, my grandfather um, was born in 1922. He was abandoned by his father by the time he was in third grade. He dropped out of school in the third grade with basically a third grade literacy um, and worked to make sure his sisters and mothers would be okay. With that said, he died a landowner, died homeowners, um, died and left independent children and grandchildren after him. And if a person born in poverty in Edenton, Georgia can do that from 1922, you know, to 2002, essentially when he left us, it's a, it, you can't tell me anything. It's not possible. My grandmother's mother taught me how to sew a button on a shirt. Her mother was a slave. So the daughter of a slave, of an enslaved woman, taught me basic life skills, cooking, cleaning, how to take care of yourself, wash your face, ABCs, that she taught me those things. And because I was taught those things, the knowledge that I've given to my children is knowledge given directly from an enslaved person. It's just practicality. So I saw that family go from a family that was enslaved to sharecropping to only 33-acre farm, which we still own in Alabama today. So got my $500 check from the timber company from cutting down. <laughs> You know, trees on our land. So now you go, I, you go visit. Uh, yeah, we do. Yeah, We're going nice. down to clean up our great grandparents' graves and stuff. You know, yeah. I just got a picture from my dad's side of my great, great, great grandfather wow. and, and mother. So I'm Blessings. just from. I'm from a long line of just Southern people who made a way. So I have to believe we can make a way sure. without. But if we were to get three hundred and fifty thousand to five hundred thousand, what I would say, you know, to anybody who's getting it or pushing for it. Let's make sure that we start doing financial literacy now, mm. because what I would not want to see was a was a wealth transfer to us and it leave us within a year. I've I've known people that have used and, and fucked up shit. I fucked up a hundred grand in a year. Yeah, you know, so it's not hard to to fuck it up. So I would want in reparations in addition to a cash payment, which is certainly deserved. I would want some things like promises on education, some tax incentives, some tax breaks. I would want some actual sure. land. You know what I mean? There's plenty of land in the South that we should that we should have and use to develop. I like for government contracts to be given to owners of that land the same way they did in the Midwest, um, you know, over 80, 90, 100 years ago. I'd like for, for there to be, if marijuana is going to be grown, why shouldn't we be growing it? Why shouldn't we have government contracts, you know, if a soybean needs to be grown? So for me, I'd figure out a way to marry us to the economy in the same way that slavery married us to the economy. And so that we can use it. And then we could properly pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and participate. It's funny because I did an interview with Bloomberg magazine. And after I did it, I had to remember who I was talking to. This is Bloomberg. These are finance people. I called a reporter back and I said, you know, Cadillac was going out of business at one point. Um, nobody was, you know, in the Cadillacs anymore. And um, a European person came over, I think, to handle their marketing. So he didn't have the same kind of racism that Americans had because a, a black guy couldn't just go buy a Cadillac. He started marketing directly to black people, <laughs> let them buy. And all of a sudden, Cadillac exploded. You know, it became, you know, Cadillac and Lincoln, of course, are famous yeah. mob cars, yeah. underworld cars, juke joint cars, period. But they, their dollars save, save that economy. So essentially, I called it back to say, you know, there's an, there should be an interest in corporations investing in the African-American community 
because the stronger the economy is in the African-American community, the stronger the greater economy is because the African-American community dollar becomes stronger. They become consumers. They become business owners and proprietors. So there's an interest. He, she said the, the, the head of the Atlanta Fed said the exact same thing as you. Mm. So the head of the feds here in terms of the, the uh, who handles money and currency agrees with that. So how is it that a rapper who just happens to have grown up in a mixed black, you know, um, economic community, common sense, just old people in common sense taught me that. And some of the greatest financial minds on earth agree. Yet we have these misinformed people in the middle arguing over bullshit. So the greater economy is never what it can be because we keep allowing this one community to be stifled, which is criminal. Yeah. You know, let's take a quick break. Sitting here with my brother. My brother. Mr. Render. Michael Render. <laughs> Killer Mike. A good fellow. We'll be right back. Don't go nowhere. Cheer. Internet, as we take a break to hear from this week's sponsors, I want to put you on to something. No Limit Records set the bar for indie hip-hop labels before streaming and way before social media to make more than $400 million. Hold on one second. To make more than $400 million back in the 90s. We hear the Southern rap sound around the world now. But Master P is truly a mastermind behind countless Dirty South club anthems and posse cuts. And if you're under the age of 30, listen, Master P is more than Romeo's dad. He's an icon among music moguls. He kept 85% ownership of No Limit, which was virtually unheard of back then. So how did a teenager living in public housing in New Orleans build his real-life music and media empire? Mm -hmm. You asked that? Well, Wednesday, July 29th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central on BET, Find out on No Limit Chronicles. Master P takes you through the rise, fall, and rebirth of the label that changed hip-hop history. This five-part docuseries has it all. Greed, betrayal, high-profile cases, and the stories behind game-changing artists like Mia X, Mystical, and Snoop Dogg. No Limit Chronicles kicks off with an explosive two-hour premiere, Wednesday, July 29th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central on BET. For more, search and post with hashtag Chronicles on BET. Internets, make sure you put that on your calendar, July 29th, okay? At 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, only on BET. Cheer. Internets, this episode of the Premium Pete Show is also brought to you by the good folks at Keeps. I'm going to put you on to something. Did you know two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35? The best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have hair left. Get treated from home. Now, you used to have to go to doctor's office back in the day for your hair loss prescription. Now, thanks to Keeps, you can visit a doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home. They make it easy and deliver your medication every three months so you can say goodbye to pharmacy checkout lines and awkward doctor visits, okay? Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. You may have tried them before, but probably never for this price, okay? I want to tell you, listen... I spoke to Keeps before this partnership. I, I have a cousin who tried them before their products. I've seen so many reviews about it that these, listen, okay, Keeps works. I don't just sit here for an ad and tell you to buy something or mess with something. They work. I want to, listen, I want you to find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors. And nearly 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps treatments start at just $10 a month. Plus, for a limited time, you could get the fir your first month for free. Internets, they're doing something for the Premium P-Show users, okay? You ready for this? If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com forward slash Premium Pete to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E 
P-S-dot-com forward slash premium Pete. Okay. Internet's always asked me, yo, Pete, what could I do for, uh, you know, like to support you? I, I appreciate everything you've done. Listen, when we have ads, let's show up and show out. So one more time, let's go to K-E-E-P-S.com forward slash premium Pete. Get your first month free and check them out. Thank me later. Cheer. Now let's get back to the show. All right. We back we sitting back. here in ATL undisclosed location. My man, Mr. Michael Render, Killer Mike. Yeah. Uh, yo, I seen this thing that wrote, somebody wrote, what COVID and racism have in common, people don't believe that, that it, excuse me, people don't believe they exist if they haven't been affected personally. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, when I seen somebody wrote that, I was like, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. And then here's another one I want to run by. Somebody wrote, people complain about rioting, but forget that the KKK used to burn down black houses and churches. Yeah. You know, back to the first one, you know, it's funny, too, because it's like, uh, you know, we're in a time now where you'll see uh, racism is being, well, it's always been existed, but it's being brought out, like, more. Like, you're being able to see it more because people are getting fed up yeah. from from things that they don't understand um, with this whole all lives matter. Um, blue lives matter. Blue lives matter. Um, and, and honestly, you know, it amazes me that we still have to have the conversation that if black lives don't matter, then all lives don't matter, right? Because how could you say all lives matter if these lives don't matter? Yeah. And it's crazy that we're still sitting here and and this is, you know, and I've spoke about this before, particularly to white people. Um, you know, it's crazy to me that, that, that we still have to, like people are getting offended when they hear uh, black lives matter, white <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah, and that bothers me. If you're if you're listening, you know it's nothing personal against you, okay? It's until we fix what's going on, until we fix the 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 the, the authority that is scared. Like if you're scared to police a community, don't be a police officer. Yeah, go to the meter maids. Okay, if you don't have friends that look like the people yeah. in that community and are from or from that community like those, you shouldn't be policing those communities. But here's the crazy thing, you know. Um, in in your journey and all these years, and I know you're, you're the type of dude that has mixed with and moved with and made money with white people, black people, yeah, Asian people, yeah, like, you know what I mean? And, 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 and I'm sure all good people. Yeah. You know, have you ever, have you ever had to explain to someone over the years or even recently that why, like, especially white people or white friends, like why they shouldn't get offended if they hear Black Lives Matter or why they shouldn't, you know, why they, you know, or how they can help out to contribute to it. I, I, I definitely have. And um, ultimately, though, I think the best advice I've grown over the years is white people should be teaching white people. Yeah. And that doesn't mean I'm not willing to be empathetic and help you learn the way. But the miseducation that allows you to be willfully ignorant, bigoted, prejudiced, or racist is crippling you. And you don't realize that. And you're not always willing to believe it or accept it from someone looking like me. So what I suggest people do is to look up the Blue Eye and Brown Eye Experiment by Jane Elliott because she's a white educator. She's from Iowa. You, you met her? She, absolutely. I know yeah. her. She's my you know, I know you yeah. said that before, but I, I had to remember. Like, yeah. I've met yeah, her. Yeah, I, went explain, to, yeah. I went to her house and hung out and talked to her daughter, Mary, a lot and talked to her. Um, but Jane was so affected by the assassination of Dr. King that she created this experiment to show 
a class full of white children what racism was, what it looked like, what it felt like, touched like, tastes like, so they would know and become more empathetic human beings and see people as human beings and treat people as human beings and respect the humanity in all people. And I think that if we were teaching her lessons and had her as a virtual teacher um, while she's alive and even, you know, God forbid she should go anytime soon posthumously, if we have that at pre-K, with white children, <laughs> I think that you'd have a much different country in 20 years. Um, in terms of people who are white, um, you should have friends who don't look like you, who don't agree with you, who are not ethnically from your same background and religion. Um, because in order to be a full human being and a part of the tapestry that we like to call America, or this vegetable soup, you know, you need to know that other people have given a lot to this country. So when black people say they've given to this country, I mean, we're not just talking about slavery. Don't belittle us like that or allow the argument to become that finite. If you wouldn't have traffic lights if it wasn't for black people, mm. you wouldn't have air conditioning if mm. it weren't for black people, you wouldn't have gas masks if it weren't for black people, you wouldn't have so many things and inventions. The monkey wrench was created by Jack Johnson. You know, think about that. He's known mostly for whooping white ass in a ring. <laughs> and yet he was, he was, you know. South of Jack Johnson. Yeah. You know, he was genius enough to create a tool. You know, the real McCoy. You hear that's the real McCoy. That invention is a like self-lubricating something on a locomotive that Elijah McCoy invented. So black people have made a tremendous um, contribution to not just the country, the world. You know, when you look at the Washington Monument, that's a copy of a monument in Egypt. You know, when you look at Christian philosophy or Abrahamic religion, period, it comes out of the Eastern Horn in Africa, the oldest Bible in Ethiopia, the, the premises for a lot of biblical stories right out there, right out of Kemet and Kush. So for me, um, white people have been robbed of an opportunity to know true history and true world history. So they've been robbed of an opportunity to appreciate other ethnic groups. Um, in particular, black people. And what it does is gives you a false sense of pride or confidence that your way is the way when mm. when your way is propaganda and mythology to prop up an imaginary thing called the white race that was only created about 500 years ago. So, you know, most people talk about uh, and I born racist. A lot of people say there's no way you're born racist. People say you're taught it. And I believe that. I don't know what your opinion is. You're taught racism? You're Absolutely you are. You're not born racist, right? You're taught... The, but the system shows you very young what yeah, racism yeah. is. Hence that little three-year-old British girl yeah. says a black guy. Yes, yes, yes. You know, so yeah, the system, it doesn't take you long to learn. Long yeah. to learn. You know, all you got to do is watch television and live to three, and you'll, you'll, you're pretty much acclimated to a racism by then. The crazy thing for me is, is, is a lot of um, people <laughs> who are taught racism, a lot of these kids don't even know why fully. Yeah. Meaning, meaning, like their uncle may say, "Oh, they don't mess with black people." Yeah, and and that's all they know. But yeah. if you ever say why, well, because your uncle said so. But what is your uncle talking about? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so when you think about how it's taught in the household, particularly, and you know, and where we are today, you know, I think that my my prayer is that we continue, like you said, to teach in the household at a young age history, equality. Yeah. And, and and let people know that, you know, because it's crazy to me sometimes when I think about this, but there's suburb people, meaning could be a girl, a boy, a young kid, you know, that probably never really ever seen many black people. Well, I relate to those people. And, and that's one thing I think that uniquely gives me some perspective and empathy and understanding when I talk to people. Because I grew up in Atlanta. I grew up in a neighborhood that was gentrified by black people. Push poor white people out, working class and middle class black people moved in. 
Um, I grew up in a neighborhood where I went to all black schools. I only had three white teachers my entire life. They were pretty well acclimated to, to the to the system as it was with black leadership and um, teachers with black students. So it was never any, you know, never felt any overt racism from them. Um, that was, you know, that was interesting. I went to schools named for black people. I went to Frederick Douglass High School. Our rival was Benjamin E. Mays. All my teachers had went to Booker T. Washington or Morehouse or Spellman Clark and Morris Brown. So I grew up in, again in Atlanta where all my heroes and villains were black. Mm. So I relate to white Anglo-Saxon Protestants in that if you're white Anglo-Saxon Protestant in the middle of the country, you, you've never been around black people. You haven't had to. So you have the the luxury of ignorance, meaning mm-hmm. You know, the Civil War was taught, if you're in the South, the the War of Northern Aggression. You know what I'm saying? The Great Compromise in which blacks had been sold out after seven years of Reconstruction and betrayed by the federal government and basically turned the South back over into the hands of the Dixiecrats. You get taught that that was a great, the Great Compromise. Well, where where were black people in the Great Compromise? Mm. We got left out of the Compromise and fucked over. You know what I mean? But if you don't learn that, you don't know. You don't know how to confront your own racism. And what's crazy to me, though, is Black people are still held up as idols in, in this idolatry, idolatry of sports and entertainment, but there's a subtle resentment. Like, because you make money, you shouldn't say anything. Yeah, and like, I, like I t- shut up and dribble. Yeah, for LeBron. I, and I tell white people all the time, or I tell black people, you expect white people to be kind to you. They aren't always kind to each other. Mm. Mm. You know, when you look at the problems in white families between older and younger generations, sure. when you look at white people who make money versus white people who don't and how they treat each other. So you're seeing, you're seeing the manifestation of, I tell people when they talk about black people being hyper violent and materialistic. I was like, well, you act like the people who owned you, mm. you know, the people whose last name you had, like in the South, you know, you kind of, I see you acting like the people who you, who owned you, you know, you're infighting, you're talking bad. To each other. If you look at the movie, the help and you saw those white women treated each other and the black, the black help is just kind of watching them treat each other badly. Yeah. You learn this behavior from one another. You know, you, you learn how to whip your children with electric cords and switches and stuff. You learn that that stuff that's carried over. Slavery was only again, like 150 years. That, yeah. That's not very long. So that's, that's two 75 year olds. Yeah. Know? So, you know, for, for me, I, I think that, uh, there could be a 20-year plan that really helps erase the American form of racism that we have, but that comes with a truth and teaching and a cultural shift that I don't know people are prepared to make because it just feels good to not have to work and claim all the glory. Like yeah, yeah. when you get to say shit like, "Well, the Confederacy is a part of my heritage" and shit like that, you know, you didn't have to fight in that brutal war. You know, you you didn't have to you didn't have to be on a battlefield before the invention of ether and and have limbs cut off all in the name of of, of perpetuating or keeping slavery an institution. And now you can't even say, well, it was about economics. It wasn't about slavery because the cornerstone speech by by Stevens, the vice president of the Confederacy, says absolutely it was about mm. slavery. So, you know, so for me, it's just about our white people, <coughs> white Anglo-Saxon Protestants in this country ready to give up the willful ignorance ready or, or, and, and progress and if they're not it's it's not our job to keep trying to make them it's our job to make sure the game is played fair through legislation and making sure our full constitutional rights are are are, are honored but it's also at that point black people are going to have to realize you're going to have to become far more self-sufficient in terms of how you handle yourself sure. because the system is just built 
not in your favor. And to invest in themselves. And that's something that yes. I've been seeing even more and more. And you always been like this, but but I want you talk about how white people talk to each other, how they, and you're right, a lot of the people handle like that. Some do, some don't. I think that, you know, goes for a lot of different, you know, people, but. I've, you know, I, I love seeing how you, you know, you, you've been showing love to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, not saying this is new. This is something you always done, but meaning like I, I've been seeing, especially a lot of like, you know, uh, black women, black men that I'm friends with. Yeah. Lifting each other up. Got uh, uh, um, got talking and supporting more and, 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 and than I ever seen, you know what I you mean? Got to. Um, you got to. You know, even like, for instance, shouts to Charlemagne, but his birthday the other That's day. That's my man. And the way you, you spoke, like, you know, I, I love seeing that. Yeah. I, you know, because I got love for him. I got love for you. I but just, I'm just saying it's important that we do that because, you know, it is sometimes, you know, people don't know. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and you'd be surprised. Like, you know, you know, I, I was talking to a therapist the other day and we talked about her business. And she was telling me, oh, you know what the number one sign for uh, suicide is? And I was like, what? And she was like, happy. And I, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And she was like, a lot of happy people. Not all, but a lot of happy people. That is a trigger. Think about Robin Williams. I was going to say Robin Williams. Right? About that. You know, you think about uh, who just... Uh, Anthony I, Bourdain. Yeah, Anthony Bourdain. You yeah. think about, you know, my friend and rest in peace, Jazz Fly, yeah. um, which is crazy to even think of, you know, but like, you know, these people are, you know, successful and happy and smiling and made people laugh but deep down inside so i guess the point i'm trying to make is like amongst this is so good to uplift yeah you know our fellow brothers our fellow sisters um and let them know how much they're appreciated and love and 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 also there's a lot of people you know that are doing a lot of different things now i don't know who you uh um believe in or not meaning what they do but people like uh uh i know tamika uh uh, Tamika Mallory. Tamika Mallory. I yeah. mean, uh, another powerful sister is, man, she's a uh, leader. presence. She's a leader. Leader. And absolutely. I mean, her, her speeches are crazy. Yeah, her, her, her words as cut an orator, like, she's you know? amazing. Like a, like a hot knife through butter. Her, yep. Nina yep. Turner is another one. Yep. Um, the brother, my son. Yeah, my son. Shouts to my son. My, my um, brother's an amazing um, brother. Who else? Uh, Sean King. Yeah, I like Sean. Yeah. I don't have a problem with Sean. I, I like Sean a lot. Um, I'm glad that he understands my importance. Um, the importance I place on guns now. I hate that he had to find out in such a way why it's important. Your Second Amendment rights are important beyond tyranny, just self-protection. Um, I saw that a group of former police officers essentially had a Facebook page where it was mocking a real, threatening his life. You know, and my belief is that you know, should someone threaten your life, they should they should know that 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 comes that comes with a price. You know, I, I honestly feel like. Um, we don't take this shit seriously enough. Mm. We don't understand that the people who we love and look up to were murdered with with assistance from the state. So when you jump in this shit, take this shit seriously. And that's not saying Sean doesn't. That's just saying understand when you plan to be an organizer and you're upsetting a system that has made people comfortable for over hundreds of years that you are shaking up a, a, a box of rattlesnakes. So when that top pops off, get ready to kill some snakes. Some yeah. Snakes on. Yeah, I'll kill you. You know, I don't. There's not, a, you know, it's not a time you see me in the city that my weapon isn't on me or near me. Yeah. So, my as, as I just left my father's house, I just ordered uh, two new handguns, new shotgun. My father is a shooter. You know, what I'm saying my son has gone and shot on his own. We're gonna 
run out and shoot Saturday. So for me, you know, it doesn't that doesn't save everything. But you gotta you gotta take responsibility. If you want food, you better grow it. Yeah. If you want water, you better put out a bucket when it rains. And you know, and that's not to say that's how you get it all, but you better know how to get it. So. You know, I don't have a problem. I like the brother Sean. I hope he does well. I, I like the old Vanguard, Cornell West. I'm a big fan of Dr. Claude Anderson. Yep. I'm a fan of, you know, everyone has something to bring to the table. I don't follow any leader all the way yep. as much as I feel. I, I try to find my own way, but I collaborate with everyone. You know what I'm saying? You know, before, uh, as we wind this episode down, before uh, we went on air, we were talking about. Even on the conservative side. Like, yeah. You know, there are people that I show a lot of, a lot of love to, so. Yeah, well, let that let that be clear. Let that for the record. Let that be clear. <laughs> um, you know, before we went on air, we were speaking about Stone Mountain in Georgia. And, yeah, which and, we can see from the window. Yep, and, and <laughs> which is crazy. And and the video um, shows. I mean, at least over a thousand. Would yeah, say, they say about they a thousand. Say, yeah, about a thousand black women and men, men and women. Yep, were out there armed. Showed armed. discipline. Went out there. Did a good demonstration. Now. I remember you, you were saying that Stone Mountain is is seventy percent. It's seventy one percent African American. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but, but, but here's the thing: for people listen, especially black men and women, and you speak about this all the time, why it's important um, to uh, be a gun owner. Yeah, right? absolutely. And why it's important to, I guess, bear arms. Right. Absolutely. Um, I don't necessarily think open carry is always the way, and that demonstration was a good demonstration, but. I'm not going to open carry my AR-15. This is an open carry state. It's perfectly legal to, but I'm not going to open carry. Um, I'm a concealed carry license holder. I conceal carry on a daily basis. Um, I'm proficient with a handgun and rifle. I can protect myself, but I don't think, for me, the demonstration made sense, but I wouldn't be open carrying just on Piedmont or Ponce de Leon or somewhere because that's asking either for police engagement or engagement from another gun owner, and I don't necessarily want to promote or prompt that. So you have to be smart about it. But not only am I a proponent for African-American gun ownership and American gun ownership, period, I'm a proponent for training. You know, you, know, you have to you have sure. to know how to use a weapon. And I'm a proponent for every household having five guns. You should have a bolt-action rifle for hunting. You should have a um, semi-automatic rifle for defense against tyranny and self-defense against fuck shit. You should have a revolver. In case you have to assassinate someone on behalf of the mob, the shell stay in the revolver. You should have a semi-automatic because it allows you more firepower. Um, handgun. You should have a shotgun. So. Mm. And and maybe a pair of brass knuckles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely the brass knuckles. You know, <laughs> just in case you don't want to kill, you want to prove a point. <laughs> you no, know, you know, Let me tell you. Uh, I think I ask this every time we sit down and do an episode, but and I mean this so much, man. But why the shouts to Bernie Sanders, man? Oh my man! I yeah, mean, yeah. I I just don't understand why we can't get to. Uh, you know, I would have loved to see him. I would against, have to. Yeah. I would have loved to see him, and he's everything. You know, yeah, I would have liked to see. I would have liked, loved to see Nina Turner in his cabinet. Yep. I would have liked to see. I hope that she stays on board to lead the progressive movement in the absence of Senator Sanders. Um, uh, I hope that. Um, and what I'm seeing absence is not just he's gone from the progressive movement, but I think that there's I think that when he um, endorsed Biden, that there were a number of progressives that just weren't with that move. So I think they were looking for leadership. And I think Nina's there to fill that vacuum. So I'll gladly follow her. I'm still a big fan and friend of Sanders and will continue to be, um, although I'm very displeased with the Democratic Party. And I think that black people need to use their vote like a golden coin or, or a magic ticket and leverage it for the highest bidder 
who's mm. going to give our community the most so that we have our own legs to stand on. And if you're not prepared to do that, you just won't get our vote. And I think that that needs to be the strategy locally, statewide and federally. Sure. You got to earn, you know, they got to, you got to earn. It's amazing that though in, in the time of the pandemic, how much of Bernie Sanders policy has, has come up. Yeah. Free hospitalization yep. and healthcare has come up. Um, stimulus has come up by way of giving people on greater unemployment. Um, people are working across party lines for the betterment of all. Um, it, God didn't have to send a plague for this to happen. We just could have did this last year, voted for Sanders, and and it would have been good. And 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 uh, Bernie, you know, is very open on the uh, marijuana. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some black people acted like they got offended um, by him talking about it's a part of his black agenda uh, involving the marijuana. And I was and and to those people, I just want to say when liquor was probated and. <clears throat> People like Joe Kennedy took part in the illegal sale of liquor and enriched his family. And his boys went on to become senators mm-hmm. and presidents. And his family is still rich to this day. But had he not been involved illegally in liquor, where would his family be? And when liquor was deprobated, this country was chopped up into divisions where different cartels essentially ran the liquor business. Until this day, you have a black man who helped, um, Nearest Green, who helped Jack Daniels perfect his formula but never got to profit from it. Um, if we don't look at marijuana the same way, we're foolish. Marijuana was illegalized on the backs of black people in 1937. Jazz. It was said jazz clubs put black and white people together. Marijuana caused black men to go crazy, rape white women, helped get it illegal. If we don't want in on marijuana, we're foolish. Because for the next hundred years, marijuana is the new liquor. Yes. And if you don't get in on it now and claim your percentage, your kids are going to be looking at you 25 years from now saying you were foolish. So I think it was a foolish mistake brushing that off from Sanders because he was the only one willing to say if African-Americans are 15% of this country, they should be 15% of the billion dollar um, marijuana trade that's coming. And we, we, we slipped by taking that lightly. And I don't care who took it lightly, whether it was my friends or not, whether it was my leaders or not, we, we slipped taking that lightly. Yeah. Could we see a, a, a killer Mike strain one day? Absolutely. I, you'll see a killer Mike. Well, first of all, shouts to there's a, a bunch of, I mean, Jim Jones is, is in the weed game with Saucy. Tit got a great one. Titty Boy, um, two cha- I'm sorry, two cha- I call him Tid, like he's my friend, but yeah, yeah, yeah. two chains got a, he got a great one. Um, um, who else? Al Harrington, uh, yeah. with Viola. I don't Shout know if you've Al. I haven't smoked Al Harrington. I haven't smoked his yet, though. Yeah. He's, I want to. I think Spitter got one coming, too. I want to smoke Spitters because he and I smoke real heavy OGs, real cushions. Burner, keeps, Bur- Burner yeah. is amazing. Shouts out to Cookies. Yep, yep. And Sherbinsky. You know, you haven't seen Sherbinsky? I don't know. Before? I haven't seen the Sherbinsky. That's the orange. Uh, I, I haven't seen, seen it. I gotta he's, it he's ill with it, too. But oh. Burner, yeah, Burner, what the, they they continue to uh, impress me. Yeah, I want to sell. All I want to sell is the heaviest OG Indica Kush, I can't. That's it. All I want is one. The one that knocks. You know how they make bourbon in Kentucky? That's it. It's whiskey, but it's bourbon because it's in Kentucky. That that's all I want. I want my version of bourbon. It's just a heavy OG Kush, and that's the only one I want to grow. And I'll say, Run the Jewels Four. (laughs) Run the Jewels Four is in store. Came out in a time where the world needed it the most and didn't even know that. Thank you. Was that a surprise release? Uh, No. Well, it was supposed to come out Friday, but um, after the speech and with the environment that was going on. Um, the fans just called for it that Wednesday. So they got it that Wednesday. And with only two days reporting to the billboards, we came in number 10 on the top 200. Um, when we failed, we failed at number 11 yeah, on the yeah, top yeah, 200. Yeah, and, yeah. and number one rap album, two weeks, and a big billboard. When's this Grammy coming, man? 
I, I, you know what, man? Oh, you man. You almost had it last time. Now you got to. Yeah, yeah. Know? We got nominated. But the, what's, what's crazy, they didn't nominate anything for Run the Jewels 3. They nominated our song from Baby Driver with us in Danger Mouse and Big Boy. And although I was happy to be nominated, I was a little, I was, you know, I was in my feelings, man. Because I'm like, yo, our album deserved to be nominated too. Absolutely. So this time, you know, we're going to keep working our butt off and pray that we don't, our album doesn't get overlooked because we deserve it on this one. Like straight the fuck up. No, yeah. no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah. I'm not gonna play humble. <laughs> we deserve. To, we deserve to walk. Perfect away. time. First of all, not only perfect music by two individuals, but perfect timing. Yeah. Uh, you know, people need that. Music heals, man. It does, man. It does. M- it music. Does. You know, it's like, man, music heals, man, and it pushes you. Like, it's, it you can go to limits that you didn't know. Like, you know, like I can, I can see how. My grandmother and them, well, they worked cotton fields and they sang and they, you know what I'm saying? Music soothes you. It heals you. It propels you. It pushes you. You know, absolutely. So I, I think there's an energy. There's yeah. just an energy in it, you know? Run the Jewels for maybe 2021 back on tour. Yeah. It's yeah. out now. We're Make ready. sure you stream it, buy it. Um, you know, um, Trigger Warning, Netflix. Yeah, Trigger Warning. Yeah, I'm, I'm, working, I'm working on something else cool now, too. Okay. I, I can't talk about it yet. Okay. But, but it's going to put my face. No NDAs on. over here, okay? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and and but but trigger warning is that was one season, right? Yes, that was one and, season. And the Cripacola, is it still moving? Crip, yeah, it's still moving. You can buy it if you're in Atlanta. You can buy it at 365 Edgewood Avenue. Okay. Um, you can and buy the other one was uh, you can buy it at most places. We got um a store. I call my barbershop stores because we sell retail. So we got three. 3461 Roosevelt Highway, 365 Edgewood Avenue, and we have State Farm Arena, which is closed right now because of COVID and the NBA shutting You're talking about your barbershops, yeah, the swag. Bar- the barbershops, yeah. yeah. So we sell them out of there too. But they also sold wherever exotic pops are sold. And right now we're working on a plan to do national distribution. Mm. And, and, you know, my I want to have a bottling company. I think that this can be at the very minimal $100 million company mm. and better. And, Absolutely. Uh, that's my goal. I want to see... Cola, Blood Pop, Jamaican Jam Rock. I want to see, you know what I'm saying? I want to see the Miami Boys, Hurricane, Fruit Punch. I want to see, you know, I, w- I want to see whatever the, 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 the Supreme Team, Cream yeah, there Soda. You go. There you go. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know? I, and, and, and you spoke about this plenty of times before. We have Chinatown. Yes. We have Little Italy. Yep. Little okay. Odessa. We, right. You have uh, uh, Korean Town. Yep. Right. What don't we have? Like, yeah. we, we need a brown town. You're yeah. supposed to have, and, and Atlanta essentially is a huge version of a brown town. And that doesn't mean you exclude everybody else. Every, no, everybody's exclusive. Everybody's dollars welcome in K-Town. Absolutely. And when I go to L.A., I go to K-Town. My, my homegirl, Alice, man, we have great Korean barbecue. Yep. There are all these businesses that are just like the American businesses you go, but they're Korean. So I go to a Haagen-Dazs out there. It is not a Haagen-Dazs, but it has the best ice cream in the goddamn world. Mm. You know? So for me, black people need to do that. You need your McDowell's for every McDonald's. Yes. Or if there's a McDonald's in your neighborhood, you should own it. I go to two Chick-fil-A's. They're owned by black people. It's not that I don't like other Chick-fil-A's. I just want to make sure those Chick-fil-A's stay in business. Sure, sure. I want to see them grow. Because when it's time for a black baseball team in that community to get uniforms, guess who's going to buy it? The owner of that Chick-fil-A, you know? If that owner of that Chick-fil-A doesn't even live in that community, not from that community, they're going to be less likely to be tied to charitable things in that community. Not that they don't care, but it's just it's not on their radar. They don't live in that community, you know? So for me, I want us to... Own more of the national chains that are out there and creating more of the ones that we can pivot into ourselves. And I want us to treat, I tell every young athlete and actor and hip hop person or anyone who can afford to, when you can buy something in Atlanta, I don't care if you put your mother there, your father, your baby's mom, your baby's, I don't care, but put something here because 
Tyler Perry has a studio here. That does not happen without a black mayor. Mm. That black mayor who understands the, corp- the, 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 the the subtle relationship between corporate and private interests doesn't happen without the first black mayor almost 50 years ago. The first black mayor 50 years ago <clears throat> never happens for 47 years ago, never happens if his grandfather isn't the unofficial black mayor of the district that's called Edgewood and Auburn Avenue. So you have this over 100 and 120 year relationship of p- black people understanding the power of networking and stuff here. So if we don't continue to have that, then we're, we're doomed. Absolutely. So, yeah. I, I mean, does that make you feel um, humbled that you and, I mean, obviously a lot of the, a lot of Atlanta, but you and tip really piggybacked to uh, get the, you know, to help yeah. the mayor Keisha yeah. bottoms become mayor of Atlanta. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I would, I would argue that our, 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 our speeches on the steps that they put those 720 people, who got her elected in the voting booth? Yeah, and that does, is, does that humble you though? When you think about just a kid, you know? Yeah, but you, it humbles me because to that fifteen-year-old kid. Yeah, that's not the that's not the way the story is written when you're in Miami or L.A. or New York, and that's for any kid. Fuck being a black kid in those places. For any kid in New York coming out to projects or from a working class, or if you're not interconnected with the runners of, of who runs that city, it's hard to become something. In that way, all I ever wanted to be was respected. And I don't mean that in a cliche way. I wanted to be able to walk in the restaurant five minutes before they close and then say, oh, no, Mike comes in. I wanted to be able to walk in the back of the restaurant through the kitchen. You know what I mean? Good I wanted to be, style. Yeah, absolutely. No bullshit. My, my father told me his father died when he was 10 in an accident. But he told me my grandfather never walked in a back door. In his life, in my father's life. My father's like, I've never walked in the back door in my life. You understand what I'm saying? My father was born in apartheid. My father was born in 1955. You know what I'm saying? It was still Jim Crow, heavy. He's like, I never walked. He's like, my father was that respected. That's what I wanted. You know, I tell my oldest son all the time, whether you do what I want you to do or not, what I love is if I go in the city and I say I'm Malik's father, they say he's a good man. Mm. That's what I always wanted. I wanted that. My grandfather's name was Gold. My name has been gold and I I want to leave that legacy, you know, for, for me. So I'm humbled because it's all I ever wanted. But God gave me so much more than I ever wanted. I know I'm, I'm responsible to do even more. Tip and I are responsible to be the example of the possibilities for two kids that grew up and made bad decisions selling crack when they had minds that could build corporations. Sure. And now we're about the business of sure. building corporations. And doing it. Yeah. And that's my friend. You know, it's different when you get to do it with your friend. Like, it's not like I'm doing it with people I don't know for interests that are totally capitalistic. Me and my friend have an interest in making sure that we bring jobs to the community that we are a part of. Me and my friend have an interest in making sure that Chaka, who runs our um, food truck and is our operations manager and working like a dog, black woman, beautiful sister, was on CNN today with Kevin Cohey at One United Bank mm-hmm. and Brooke Baldwin talking about that endeavor. It's our job to empower that sister. She hires people who are on parole, who've gotten out of prison, who don't get chances, and she's hired them and empowered them. You know another company that does that? Waffle House. Mm. Waffle House is one of the only places a, a felon can get out, get a job, matriculate up the ladder, and eventually become manager, general manager. I've always loved that. That was company was created right here in Atlanta, Georgia. If Tip and I work our ass off the next 15, 20 years, why can't Bankhead Seafood be a Waffle House? Mm. Why can't we create a Chick-fil-A? And that's the way it should be. And that's the way we're going to make it. Mm. And that's and 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 that there ain't really much much more to say <laughs> than that, you know. Um, 
Listen, man, um, we have voting coming up soon. Yes, census first. Yeah, census, yeah. Yeah, everyone make sure you make sure you're counted and, and then make sure your your vote will be voted in November. Yep. And uh, you know, there's only one way to get uh, this guy out, you know. Yeah. Biden's a little lost, but I'd rather take Biden than take this guy, you know. Yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. I mean, you know, no matter who gets in there, just know though that most important elections are the local ones. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like congressmen. Yeah, and, yeah. And even, even, local, even more local. Yeah. Who's your prosecutor? Yeah, yeah, There's yeah, a yeah, prosecutorial yeah, yeah. race coming up in Georgia. And we have a runoff next month. You know, so who's your prosecutor going to be? Who are the judges? Who sent you home? What is, like, I met with one of the prosecutors here. And I told him, I said, you said two of my partners in jail for life. You let two of my partners off. I can't promise you the ones who got life deserving. And I know two of the ones who got off probably did. You know, so I'm about 50-50 with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> some days I fuck with you, some days I don't. Yeah, you know? So, and that was the truth of it. But I know I know who I own that booth. I know who I voted for. You know what I mean? So for me, it's, it's, it's important for us to start on a local level to start educating ourselves. You know, on who who's running locally and, and why. And, and and how do they connect to my community and, and what could I do for or not for them to make sure they hold that seat or don't hold that seat? Yeah. So no matter who wins the soap opera call a national election, on a local level, who are going to be your state representatives, your judges, your prosecutors, your mayors, and your governors is what matters. Yeah, vote more. them and vote the right ones. Then. Absolutely. You know, uh, lastly, I will say this. The journey has been amazing. Uh, I continue to be inspired by you. Honored to be, call you my friend. Absolutely. As um, are you. You know, it... it do you ever look back? Because I'm proud of you, man. But do you, <laughs> do you ever look back? Like, is there something that makes like is is there a moment in, or, or or moments that you could think of that stick out to you that make you proud that make you happy? Man, I I haven't really stopped to commiserate much yet, but I can honestly say, um, becoming successful as one half of the greatest rap group in the world right now, mm. Run the Jewels, absolutely because. That's all I, all I ever wanted to be was a rapper, man. Like all the other stuff, other people saw in me and they put into me and they brought out of me. They saw me as a, like my father. One, the proudest moment I can say is my father called me. My father told me at 19 when I dropped out of Morehouse. So for people who may not understand, when a black child tells you he's going to Morehouse, that's the equivalent of a white child telling their parent I got accepted to Harvard, you know, or Yale or Princeton. So. You know, telling my father that I got accepted in the Morehouse as a working class man who had lost his father. Tim was probably one of the proudest moments of his life. For a year later, for your son to be telling you, you know, I'm going to drop out and I'm going to do music and be an artist. You know, he responded to me by saying, you know, they call it starving artists for a reason. So the next six, seven years of my life, I was determined to prove my dad wrong and show him I can be an artist, you know, and I did. And when I became a rapper, I, he was happy. And when I became a successful rapper, he was happy. When I struggled, he encouraged. And then when Run the Jewels like popped, he was really happy, of course. But there was an article that came out that talked about me as a leader, not just as, as a rapper. And he sent me the article and he said, I wanted to tell you I apologize, son, because I discouraged you by saying that, you know, it's, it's a starving artist. They call it that for a reason. He said, but it wasn't that I was trying to tell you I didn't have confidence in you. He said, but the the man in this article is who I've always seen you as. Mm -hmm. He says, as a child, I would walk you in a room full of children. And if I left for five minutes and came back, you were leading those children, telling them this is what we're going to do. In high school, when you were about to get suspended for protesting the national anthem, like Chris Jackson was, he was like, you were a leader. You, he, Those teachers told me you organized the kids to do this. He said, so 
I've always seen you as this. And I don't ever want you to think I doubted you were a rapper, but my son's a leader. And by the time we were on the phone, both of us were crying. You know what I mean? Because, you know, my father's a working class blue collar man. He he doesn't get very emotional. He's very structured. He irons all his uniforms on Sunday nights. You know what I mean? So it took a lot for him to say that. And that meant probably more to me than anything because, you know, I wanted to make my father proud. I knew how much I disappointed him, my grandmother, my family by dropping out of Morehouse. But to know that your father always saw you as a leader mm. and not just as a rapper. You know? That's beautiful. Yeah. And I you try know, to encourage my children. You know, once I got past what I want them to do, I want I encourage them to just follow truly your dreams and to and and to, you know, lead. Sure, you know? sure. And turn try to turn them in reality. Yeah. You know, when you say about your father, it's crazy because it's like even I think about my I think as they get older too. It's like, yo, my father cannot say uh, something sentimental anymore without uh, crying. Because they hold and it for so long. Yeah, ever bro, been that they way. They hold it for- Never. Because they have to stay G-code. And yeah. I got two dads. Yeah. I got a non-bio and a bio dad, and both of them just G-codes. And I've seen both of them in the last five years, like, shed tears. That's why when, <clears throat> like, I cry. I don't give a shit. Like, I cry. You know, I, I cried on camera because I was- I was angry, you know, and, and people are like, oh, you're gonna cry, like, I'll shoot you in your fucking face too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? With a revolver and get away with it. So it's like, I, you know, if you don't, you, that's that's such as life. But I'm, 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 I let it out. You yeah. know what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nah, nah. Man. I, I fight. I just, you know what I mean? But I just, my kids have seen me cry. Like, I, I'm proud of them. I cry. I love them. I hug them. I kiss them. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't, I don't, I still kiss my boys yeah, and hug yeah, them. Yeah, I love yeah, them. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, it, our fathers, though, were from a, tougher time. Yeah, they didn't hug each other. Yeah, Their they, fathers. Yeah, exactly. Even in it, Some didn't have fathers yeah. because of death and other things. So I, I have learned to be, from my father's death, both both have grown older. I've learned to, to let that sensitivity show earlier. You know, you still, there are times you have to be tough and a disciplinarian, yeah, yeah. but my kids know I'm sensitive. And we live that lifestyle. Yeah. That presence. Over presence. presence. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. you know, it's uh, been important. Yeah. But listen, uh, my brother, Absolutely. Great, great to sit with you. We're in an undisclosed location in ATL overlooking uh, the highway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just the words of uh, a good a good brother. So uh, I love and respect you, brother. And I, I just appreciate all you bring to the culture. I appreciate presence over presence. I appreciate all the positivity you bring. I appreciate you honestly and fairly sharing your story of in and out of prison so that men can see redemption and restoration as possible. I just appreciate you, Pete, for being honest, you know, yeah. all the way through. From the time I met you with Con Black Jack to God Bless the Dead to now and building a friendship, you're just one of the people I'm continually impressed by. And and you are one of my encouragers, and I appreciate you. Mm, likewise. Love you, brother. Love you, brother. Oh, yeah. I hope you enjoyed that episode with my brother, Killer Mike. I mean, just, I love the way he breaks things down. He is so special, so smart, so caring, so 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 needed. Like, go protect Killer Mike at all costs. He is so needed. Just, just the way he breaks things down makes me understand more and learn more and know more. So, Internet, like I said, that was live from undisclosed location at ATL. Stop asking questions where it was, okay? Don't worry about it. Now I'm already joking. But we got a bunch of new episodes on deck. I'm so excited to drop them. Make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend about the Premium Pete Show. And check this out. You want to advertise on the Premium Pete Show? Small brand, big brand, little brand, medium brand, whatever it is, email me, thepremiumpeachshow at gmail.com. Again, thepremiumpeachshow at gmail.com. Email me and let's get to talking and let's work on getting you some ads on the Premium Pete Show. 
big company, small company. You want to advertise on other podcasts? Yeah, I do that too. You want to help producing your podcast? Yeah, we do that too, okay? Internets, just get at me. Send me an email. Hit me up, okay? And we'll get to working. Now, remember, subscribe, rate, tell a friend to tell a friend about the Premium Pete Show on all platforms, even YouTube, okay? And I'll see you next episode. Stay safe. And as always, peace and blessings to you and yours. Internet. See you next episode. Cheer.